0: Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. We get this message out here. I'm doing what I love to help a community out. Like, yeah, you know I mean, what is the next step? What's the one thing I can do today that's gonna to get us one? So move-
1: I mean, I don't know what's
0: what's in the future. Art is the only way you can reach out to the future. It is the only thing that actually lives through a time capsule. And I think that if the DIY scene as a whole put more of a value on itself, it could be a lot more sustainable now if someone doesn't like it that's their deal hello and welcome to start the beat with Sykes my name is Sykes and this is my podcast before we get started I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out last week's episode if you're one of the people who listened to that conversation I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back but for those of you out there who are new to the show welcome Please feel free to make yourselves at home, and as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge, but today we're drinking waters because it is a Wednesday, and I've been trying to cut back on my drinking during the week. That has nothing to do with my guest today, though. My guest today is a local jack-of-all-trades, a musician, promoter, artist, Etc. There's a lot to dig into. So, everybody say, everybody make some noise. Like, yeah, everybody make some noise. Scream at your computer (laughs) or phone as loud as you can for my guest, Shy Kennedy. Hello.
1: Hello. Thank you for having me on.
0: Thanks for coming on. It was really cool getting to meet you recently at the Pittsburgh music ecosystem thing, which was actually where I wanted to start this conversation. Okay. With that, how do you feel about the local music scene and people outside of extreme genres of music or like rock or metal and like trying to do stuff for the local music scene. Do you feel that the things that the Pittsburgh music ecosystem project are doing are beneficial to people like us? Or do you think it's more beneficial to people that do more accessible forms of entertainment?
1: I'm actually trying to find that out myself now. That is why I actually came out to hard rock the other night. I feel like the only way you find out is if you explore it. And I've I've heard a lot of people in the more extreme underground genres talking about how it doesn't apply to them. So in my theory is uh, it doesn't right now, but it could be up to us to kind of change that. Um, So my take on it is try to jump in see if we can be included totally. and if it doesn't apply if it's not working then just go back and maybe go back to the drawing board and see what else yeah. we can come up go with. back to
0: what we've been doing right because it hasn't it's not like we've been struggling to find things to do by any means but no
1: no it does and they do have it easier yeah mainstream music has it easier because more people listen to it more people are involved i'm not saying they don't have their own set of problems but it would be nice to see if we can be somehow um, more recognized, um, maybe take um, some stigmas away from who we are and what we're about. Totally. And uh, I'm not saying we're going to be billing on the same, same nights or all of the same venues. But just to be a part of that, I don't think it's such a bad idea. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. It'd be
0: cool to have easier access to things like, oh, can we do like a DIY metal show in one of the art galleries down on Penn Avenue or something. Right. Because there's other people that do stuff like that, but do we have access to that? Eh, It's kind of, it can be complicated.
1: Right. And that's why I was interested in like trying to explore the ecosystem and what they're talking about and maybe uh, see if we get accepted, you know, see if um, some of us can kind of trickle in and make some partnerships, uh, some contacts. And like I said, there's a stigma That we're all a bunch of rowdy, crazy people that, you know, just disrespect, but we're actually sometimes (laughs) the kindest
0: and sometimes the best. Hi, excuse me. Can we do a show in your art gallery, please? (laughs) Right. You know, and then we do the show and it's like, ah. So
1: yeah, it's just, you know, uh, try to make it work. If it doesn't work well, then it's not like
0: we're hurting in our own way. No, because we tried. Right. And that's a big part of the reason why I was there as well. I talked with somebody from the downtown partnership for a little bit, and I was kind of picking on them about the the metal stuff. And I was like, when are we going to get a metal festival in Market Square? Just like really.
1: I caught a bit of you that. Know, like
0: really like over the top. Like, I know that like that's, you know, I don't want that. I just wanted to throw something extreme in his lap, like hot potato and right. see what he did with it. And uh, he was nice, but it just seemed overall he had no interest in talking to me.
1: It also seemed, (laughs) from the bit that I gathered, it also seemed uh, that he was approaching it from that corporate level, from that mentality of, well, it doesn't suit the whole city. Well, there's probably a lot more metalheads that would come into the city or, you know, punks or whatever we're dealing with uh, that would come into the city that you – Don't typically come in a city because there's nothing offered for them like that in Station Square, say, or in the North Shore somewhere, you know, other than um, the main venues that are working those types of things.
0: Totally. And I remember with the Pittsburgh Music Ecosystem Project, reading that it was started off of a – something with a survey off of visitpittsburgh.com and local music being – scored kind of low on visitors like surveys for Pittsburgh. Like they don't get a lot of local music experience when they're in Pittsburgh. And it's okay, well people come to Pittsburgh and where are they? The North Shore, the Incline. Right. You know, Station Square. There's nowhere, there's not really a whole lot of local music in those areas. And when there is local music there, I mean it's like the most boring Regular flavor potato chip stuff you could think of. Nothing against right. any of that music, like, but right. you know what I mean. It's not always the most like interesting, for lack of a a better word. I'm trying to not be mean because I don't like being mean to other people. I agree, but you know what I mean. Like, it's just
1: I agree, and I feel could, like that's it, an issue that the city has. Yeah, with the mainstream music, you know, you know damn well as a metalhead when you're going to another city you're probably going for a show. Yeah. Or if you're there, you're going to see what's out there. You're going to look into it because underground musicians and fans of music, that's what they do. You know. So, I think that's and and look, it was by Visit Pittsburgh, right? Uh, yeah,
0: it's like yeah, who's going on Visit Pittsburgh?
1: Right. So, it's <laughs> it's that's like a tourism uh-huh. almost of, you know, that's they're putting out I chatted with um, information to get people to come and Visit Pittsburgh.
0: Do you know the guys in silence? I do not. Okay. They're, they're like a, they're local. They do like post-punk stuff. But I had, I did a show with them a while ago and it was right after that article had dropped and we were riffing on about people using Visit Pittsburgh to like learn about the rock room and stuff and how it's so unlikely and right. how disconnected it makes a lot of that stuff seen from a very big chunk of the Pittsburgh music scene cuz a large chunk of the music scene is guitar music we'll say for to put a very simple umbrella over rock metal punk and things like that right but i don't know if their intentions are to help any of us
1: no i don't think so
0: yeah i don't
1: but yeah. i feel like i mean over the past few years i feel like the underground music is becoming really popular And more people are taking to it. And I feel like whenever, I don't know, places like Visit Pittsburgh or the partnership or any of the city, like if they're not including everything, then they're cutting out the people like us that are visiting other cities. Yeah, they're
0: really super disconnected. The person that I talked to from the downtown partnership at the ecosystem meeting was telling me that he used to work at the graffiti He was like a a bartender there or something like that. So it's like, okay, like you come from a music background. But, you know, the graffiti's been closed for, what, 15, 20 years now? At least 15 years. So, you know, I feel like he's somebody that's, you know, really removed. And, I mean, that's fine. You don't have to, like, stay in the scene. I don't expect him to be going to the Smiling Moose every weekend or Howlers or anything. But, yeah, I just, eh, uh, it just rubs me the wrong way. So. But you had mentioned, you know, the past couple years things seem to be picking up with local music or people coming out to shows. And I've noticed the same thing, too. It seemed in like 2010 to 2013, 14, it was like a really big slump. I don't know if you you experienced that as well. Maybe it was just the music that I was in or the friends that I had. But it seemed like there was really nothing going on. In that I mean, time frame,
1: I'm not saying there wasn't anything going on, but it was definitely it didn't feel sluggish. like it feels now. And I think part of that is um, I'm not going to say the fall, but there were a few venues and a few um, promoting companies that I'm not going to mention names on sure. that um, are either not here anymore or are not very in the mix anymore. And they were holding us back, I feel. And I feel like since. The fall of those i mean people were doing it on their own instead it's more diy and there's poor people in bands that are working like to do it like yourself and and myself you know we don't just sit around and hope somebody asks us for a show um, we don't pay to play. Mm-hmm. We go out and we make it happen. Yeah. And I think that's important.
0: It's It seems so rare now that I play a show that a promoter asks me to play. And that's, I mean, there are promoters that I'll gladly work with still. But a lot of the time, it's just other friends' bands that are like, oh, hey, we're filming a music video or we're doing our album release or we're doing something basically productive for the band. We booked our own show. Do you want to play? Yeah, sweet. And that's a lot more of that recently, oh, which is yeah, super cool. Agreed.
1: And like you said, there are some promoters out there that are doing well. And um they're not total jerks. Yeah. You know, it's, and and we will work with them and, you know, they're good to us. Mm-hmm. It that feels, type of thing.
0: It feels like we're in the in a snowball right now. It's just picking up and all of these bands are seeing other bands doing things and Getting, you know, oh, wow, they did that. We can do it. How'd you do that? And everybody's like, well, you just call this person. You could book the venue or you can call this person and they'll, you know, make CDs for you and stuff like that. Right, A lot people, more networking and connecting and the way it, it feels like it should be.
1: Yeah, people are easily wowed about how, how you can just do it on your own. Uh-huh. You don't need somebody else to deem you worthy. If you If you can get out there and you can bring people in and you can promote... Do all the right things if you put the work into it, it pays off just to do it yourself,
0: yeah. And you know, somebody you know, you seem to have been you know, you've been in the local. I don't know if you've been in the Pittsburgh scene, I don't know a whole lot about your background, but I, I can tell you've probably been involved in local music on some level for like a very long time.
1: Most of my life,
0: most of your life yeah. in Pittsburgh, or in other, Pittsburgh, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. okay. So, you are a Pittsburgh born, bred, yes, cool when did you start going to shows and I don't want to get too deep into it. it's like a cliche question, but like what was like the one thing that brought you into like the local music scene?
1: I think so. I, I listened to like anything I get my hands on when I was a kid. I didn't have many friends. Um, I lived in the woods basically in the the rural area and I didn't have many friends. Like there wasn't neighbors that I could hang out with or whatever um, when I was a kid. So, I played with music, like I explored, and I fell in love with a heavier style of music. And um, when I got my first job, I ended up working with a whole bunch of metalheads, and I was into metal. (laughs) They were into like less extreme metal than I was, but it was still nice. And um, those guys were all in a band, and they had like a garage band. Okay. And um, we would hang out and party all summer and whenever else we could. Yeah. And we just started going to shows, and most of those shows were like, Oz or whatever was going on in Metropole or what you could get into when you were under 21. Most of my friends were over yeah. that age before I got to there. So it was a lot of stadium shows for a while or whatever you could yeah. get to. Um, but as soon as I turned um, 19, 20, I started pushing the envelope. Um, I did uh, live photography for bands. Okay. So because I got the press pass, places like Metropole or Club Laga would let yeah. me in and you know for over 21 shows and I got to shoot really awesome bands like um at the time fear factory was really cool um OG fear factory COC like a whole bunch of bands that were like now huge right or you know people we we love when we grew up with
0: but sometimes I think about shows that I went to when I was a kid and I wish I could go to them again now and be able to appreciate them a little bit more. Right. This is some of the lineups that I saw when mm-hmm. I was like 12, 13, like nuts. My uncle took me to go see the Cramps and Reverend Horton Heat when I was like 10. That's cool. And I remember being there, but I don't really remember it. And I wish that I could remember that, you know, things like that.
1: I, I was always going to concerts when I was a kid, um, but there was mainstream stuff like yeah. my parents would
0: Allow was, me to go to and gonna, take
1: me to or whatever. I was going
0: to ask you about family and musical influence if your parents were into music or anything like that.
1: Absolutely not. <laughs> I had, had very little to work with. Yeah. Um, my mom, from her previous marriage, had this huge record collection. And she liked some of this stuff, but there was nobody musical in my family or okay. really into it. And, I mean, I was six years old. I had a Fisher-Price. I tell a story all the time. I had the Fisher-Price record player. Yeah. And she just gave me all of this stuff. Who would give your six-year-old vinyl? But, like, 45s, LP, like, just everything. And I would listen to anything, like, that she had. And I loved it all. It didn't matter. But back totally. then, there wasn't a lot of crap music either. Yeah. There were different things. And, you know, you either liked it oh, yeah. or not. But it was all over the place. I mean, Pat Benatar, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, to, like... Men at work, whatever, you know, it was just yeah. like this big mix. She had some cool stuff like Pink Floyd and Led Zeppelin, but this is from her previous husband. So it wasn't like anything in my family. Um, but I just listened to records all day, all that I could. And I always try to like learn instruments. I was never very good at it, but I yeah. I fiddled with a lot of stuff. And uh my first concert was Paula Abdul. Nice. Yes. My second concert was New Kids on the Block. I was like 6 or 7. Yeah. My parent my mom was supporting the fact that I loved it. Did she like it? Probably not at all. Uh-huh. Um but she did support that and then by the time I was 10 I was going to Van Halen shows and stuff like that with my like my sister was 10 years older, so like her boyfriends would take me to shows and stuff, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it was pretty cool. So I I did have that ability to be around music. Um and so I just started, you know, like from my friends jamming out all the time. And I just became not like a scene girl, but like kind of the behind the scene girl. I was interviewing bands. I tried to start my own magazine called Metalheads, very original. Um, just like
0: straight up Metalheads, no metal funny heads. spelling.
1: No, I hated that stuff. Okay. I hated it. Um, but what you find out when you're 2021 20, is you don't get anybody to help you to do that stuff for free. Because they're all partying. Yeah. So it ended up me doing a whole bunch of work and it never really panning out. And I
0: feel that, you know, you were probably trying to do this stuff in a time when the technology isn't as accessible as it is now. Right. I'm old. I mean, well, no. <laughs> even like I was. No.
1: Yeah. There was, you know, We I were was, on dial up. I
0: was 21, 10 years ago. Yeah.
1: We were on dial
0: 11 up. years ago. Right. And even then it was so hard for me to do the stuff that I'm doing now. Yeah,
1: I learned code. I wrote my own HTML when I was 19 um, just to have my own website. Nobody had their own website back then. I was really trying. I really wanted to make something of it. I
0: feel like something that reminds me of myself that I see in what you're talking about is this. I was an only child. I was into a lot of weird shit. I didn't really have... I had friends in school, but nobody that was into quite what I was into. Mm -hmm. And I always wanted to do art or music or something. And I would just, over time, I developed this really diverse palette of skills that I only bothered to learn how to do these things because I wanted to, you know, do something creative. Yeah. And I couldn't find anybody else to do it. So it's like, well, I guess I'm learning Photoshop. I guess I'm learning how to do HTML. (laughs) I guess I'm learning how to, you know, I'm looking up the dimensions of a CD booklet and buying a, like a cutter so I can cut the stuff and make my own CD book for my shitty first bands and things like that.
1: I am very similar in that way.
0: And uh, it's cool. It's very, very cool, but it's made me quite a control freak now and I have a really hard time working with other people.
1: Me too. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Like relinquishing control over anything. Like it's, we're trying to like film a music video. I need to be in front of the camera. But I'm like, you know, let me see that take. Let me, see, you know, right. what do you I'm like? Let's just shut up, Brian. Like, let I'm, the person do their job.
1: I am hundred percent that <laughs> way. I'm, I'm better the older I get. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then you you become resourceful too. You learn. You, all you learn. You learn who else it, can it, help and is good at what. Exactly. Um, and this day and age, like you were saying, technology was limited. Now, I mean, you don't even have to have photographers. Sometimes, unfortunately, I hate to say it that way. But just somebody with a good camera that's not a total idiot can actually help you get a couple pictures at your show or Uh something like that. I mean, I still think there's a. We still want the people to really help that really know what they're doing to help us. But in a pinch, you can now be a band. You can get something passable. Without spending thousands and thousands of dollars to get yourself out there.
0: Yeah, totally. Just, you know, get somebody to take a picture on a phone that's okay, black and white it, pull all the bad color from the phone out, and you got a good photo. Right. So what I'm thinking about now with you growing up surrounded by like a pile of records <laughs> and being around all this stuff um, and then wanting to start a magazine and a website. And I know now, you know, you do like a small label in air quotes. I don't know how you, you consider it like a label or is it more of like a collective thing or a distribution thing? That's or is, actually, a, is it a hard question?
1: That, that's actually interesting because I've, been kind of in limbo with it for a while. I started it out as a noise label. It was very, it couldn't have got any more obscure.
0: And this is, it's, it was always so, Black Seed Records? Yeah. Okay.
1: It was all, it was so obscure. Um, but then when I started working with bands more, when I got, so for a while I tried to form bands and I did some things and some projects, but. I was never actually never got the actual. Hey, I have a band and we play out and we do this and we're recording. I never got to that point. Once I did with Whorehound, um, I started Black Seed again. Like I just, I made the time and I started working with bands, and so it is growing into something. Yeah, it's it's my baby and it's not my priority, but it is when I'm not at work. It's not you know it's not something that's going to take over. But I also do the graphic design work under Black Seed Design, mm-hmm. and I've been promoting a lot, and I've been um, booking. I didn't, I never meant to do all of the booking that I'm doing, but all the bands that are coming in town, they know me now, so they ask. So this is kind of an announcement. Black Seed is now going to be Black Seed Productions, and okay. everything's going to jump into that. I'm actually going to be doing it all more on a professional, cool. more take-priority level. Yeah. So I'm going to start working on that after, you know, Descendants of Krom comes up and I get all of that under awesome. my belt. That's going to be. So
0: another thing I want to talk about. Which right. We will get to.
1: Sorry, I'm mentioning a few no, other things. No, these are all
0: super relative things and I'm glad we're bringing them up. My thought right now is just about the the arm or the leg of your business plan or whatever we want to call it i don't want to sound too like a corporate no yeah it's definitely not going to be anything much different than it is now uh but the the label side of it right we're in a very interesting time to be putting out physical media but i feel like you probably like me i'm just assuming now that we have these similarities like you have this itch to put out physical media because you grew up around it and it just seems like such a part of music like what is an album without the artwork to look at at the same time or have your lyric sheets and things to like, right. I'm still very much the person, like if I have a record, like I want to sit on the couch and like, you know, at least listen through it once and read everything and look at the art and look at the art while I'm listening to the music and think about how it relates. And I don't want to just like put it on Spotify and then like go about my day.
1: Right. And if there's two of us in one room and there's only two of us in one room that feel that way, more people. Oh, then we they definitely think, do feel that way. Do the majority of people now feel that way? No, they want it digital and easy and at their fingertips. I will admit, the only time I buy digital music is when that's all they have to offer. Or if it's like the band only has that to offer and they're trying to get money to get the physical release. Yeah. Then I buy both, you know. Um, so, I'm not into the digital music. I, I do it when I need to or like say... um working on a video or whatever, I'll download the music. Yeah, I think... But uh, it's it's weird. People do want CDs. Cheap, people do want vinyl. And people do want cassettes. Not everybody. Oh, yeah. But there's, I'm doing it at a small, um, like just small limited runs. And if you need more, we'll get more is what we talk, we talk about with the uh-huh. bands, you know. We talk about an initial set number and then if, if it does well, we'll do more, you know. If you want to keep working with me, I'll put more out. So, and um, that's just the attitude right now. I don't know if that will change. You know, things change. It's I'll be flexible and adaptable. But that's how it is now.
0: Mm -hmm. Now with the promotion side of things, I guess I don't. I'm just I'm just kind of curious about like, are you gonna try to? Branch into different venues or underutilized venues with shows that you're doing. I don't know if you're already like booking shows at set venues. I know we have limited resources here mm-hmm. in the city, but it could be a good opportunity to do some stuff that's off the grid. I just heard about some venue that's in Turtle Creek. Now, did you hear about this place? Um, They're doing all these death I've seen metal a shows. Of there. Shows, yeah, and they I'm were like, doing those a while ago. Really, and at I don't the same know if it was the same
1: place or not. I'm actually not sure, but I have seen the Turtle Creek shows popping up,
0: And I'm like, this is cool. I'm glad that like there's something a little bit more like, you know, the kind of like 20 minutes outside the city venues mm-hmm. where those, because there was a place in East Pittsburgh, not right by Turtle Creek. It was Georgios yes. on Electric Avenue. Is that I've what you're been, thinking
1: of? I've been there. So this is a different place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. it's a
0: different place. Georgios hasn't, they haven't done shows in almost, probably like 10, almost 10 years now at this point. That's
1: about how long it's been but, since I've been there.
0: You know, I grew up on that side of town. So when I was... That was my, like, local music scene thing. Like, going to see, like, like a moment in Clarity. And uh First Day Dead. And, like, other, like, weird metal... Like, Pittsburgh metal bands from, like, 15 years ago. That was there. And it was so easy for me to get there because I could, like, walk there. So... It was really cool. And I'm glad that there's places like that popping up again because there could be another kid just like me on that side of town that can't get to Kativo or the Smiling Moose or Roboto. You know right, what I mean? Right.
1: Um, yeah, that's cool. And I will be branching out to different venues and maybe non-venues that might be turning into venues because of this, but they won't be outside of the city just because that's not yeah, my territory. Totally. It really isn't. Um. So, I mean, physically can't get there for a show after work, you know, just have to like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. in time or whatever. Uh-huh. But, um, I, I am, I have talked to different bar owners. Um, I've actually worked with different bar owners and they were like, yeah, just bring a PA system in and you can have it. And awesome. so I just bought a PA system, you know, like every Yay. girl should have, uh-huh. uh, but I just bought a PA system just so I can book wherever I need to. You know, uh, venue willing, or you know, mm-hmm. restaurant willing, or and bar it's, willing.
0: It's it's good to have your own PA system too. Uh, a big issue that I have with some of the local venues that I won't name any names, but you, we know
1: it sounds bad. The PAs
0: are bad, and that's that's a lot coming from somebody or a couple people who the majority of their music's just distorted noise, really loud. Anyways, right? If we're if we have issues like oh, this sounds. This isn't right. this isn't cutting it.
1: And like for me, like some of the places, they're not really making money from the bands. They're kind of letting you have the place, sort of, you know, to play or whatever. Yeah. They don't have a sound person sometimes. That to me, I'm just like, well, that's how it is. But like still, from a bar owner situation, just spend six hundred bucks more to upgrade or whatever you need to do, or you know, just drop drop a little money in it. It'll be worth your own ears from being in your own establishment hearing the bands play. Yeah. I don't know. Just like if you were in your, you know, you want a new stereo system because you want to listen to something at home. Like, just,
0: just and p- it's, put in a little money. It's not even like it. Like, this, this, might, this is probably going to sound kind of like, I don't mean for this to sound so ego-driven, but I could think of a couple venues where if they threw, you know, 600 bucks, 1,000 bucks into a PA and upgraded it so it was like a decent enough that like, somebody like Grey Walker might want to play there. We could probably play there, bring a couple bands in, and they would make that money back in the right. bar in a night. Right. Easy. Right, And then everybody else can go play shows from then on. It would sound good. More people would probably want to play there.
1: And I feel that is what we need to do on our end. Um, like create that awareness with venue owners about what an asset we can be for them. Or if they know it, hey, Throw us a bone. Throw us a little bit of a bone that you will work in both of our favors. Uh, There needs to be a better partnership between venue and um, band or venue and promoting whoever's whoever's in charge of booking the show or whatever. But there needs – I think I may have talked to you at the ecosystem about this. There used to be a time where bars paid bands to play.
0: Sure, yeah.
1: And they they
0: booked bands that would have a good draw. Not in Pittsburgh, but some bars. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, you go other places. It
1: happens, but they book bands. They know that'll bring a good draw. They make money. We make money. It's perfect, Um, and it's it's not been happening in Pittsburgh, and that should be definitely happening in Pittsburgh.
0: Part of me wonders if why it isn't happening in Pittsburgh is just because the I don't. Well, it has to be because a lot, maybe some bar owners just don't value the local talent. And I wonder if maybe that has anything to do with how much of it there is. Like a lot of these bars have shows every night. And a lot of the times there's like the same bands playing there every week. And I feel like if over time some of these bar owners are just like, they don't care that much. I don't care this much. Like I'm going to keep the money. They're going to be here every week regardless.
1: But that is up to them and they can make that change. Don't book the same bands all the time. Don't book bands that don't do well. Yeah. I mean, you have to give bands a start at the beginning, but if you have them two or three times and they don't bring people, then you shouldn't be paying mm-hmm. them. Um, so things like that. But there needs to be – I think it's up to us to make that awareness uh, with club owners, um, venue owners, whatever, that we are more valuable and how we can be more valuable and how we they can make better decisions, um, you know, Sometimes hire somebody who books at your venue. Yeah. And then they have some control over it if you don't, you know, if you're not really familiar with it or whatever. It could it could benefit not only the bands, but the bars too. I
0: almost feel like we need to start our own ecosystem thing.
1: Maybe we should.
0: Yeah. Maybe we should. But for like, you know, our kind.
1: I think I think <laughs> I'm still gonna dabble in the other one just to yeah. see what's going on. Yeah, yeah. No, you need to. But I, I'm a hundred percent
0: about that. Keep you was it was it the keep your friends close and your enemies closer. <laughs> I didn't
1: say they were enemies. Yeah, no, they're not. It's <laughs> it's fine. Keeping this PC here. Mm-hmm.
0: So, outside of you mentioned this briefly, but you play in a band. I do. Or hound. Yes. Let's dig into that. We haven't really talked about that too much. Okay. Tell also, me about the band. I haven't had an opportunity to see you play, but I've seen your name a whole bunch on a whole lot of flyers, and we have a good chunk of mutual friends and things like that. That would be
1: my tenacity. (laughs) (laughs) So, sorry, not sorry.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good.
1: um, Whorehound is uh, a band that came together about three and a half years ago. A group of people got together, mainly through Craigslist, mainly strangers uh the two guys that started it uh brendan parish and mike altipede were both in a band called Parrish, um prior to it kind of fell apart or whatever and they wanted to start something again they put a craigslist that out got a few people uh started they wrote like three songs and then they were looking for a vocalist um that's when i came in um i auditioned they offered me position like the next day or so we had a beer the next day or so and uh since then it's just me and brennan from the original lineup
0: oh okay so
1: um and and it didn't take too long for things to switch out and um the first person to go was our original um drummer and so jd has been with us pretty long and then nick came in about a year and a half ago with us um most of the members leaving because they had better places to go, job opportunities yeah. or life opportunities. Shit. Yeah, so uh, it was pretty amicable and all of that. But um, sad to see people to go. But right now we're really gelling and writing some good material, and we're really excited as a group and a band. And it's been very fun.
0: That's killer. So, how would you describe the music for anyone out there in podcast land?
1: Um, someone who's listening to this podcast, I wouldn't be afraid to throw the words like doom, sludge, heavy psych into it. Yeah. Um, if I was talking to somebody at work, I would say something like black Sabbath only like modern and heavy <laughs> or I don't know, uh-huh. you know, just cause no. people are always like, what are you doing? You know, yeah. and they are just like doom metal and they're like, what the hell is
0: that? I get that <laughs> problem a lot when people are like. Asking me about Greywalker, and yeah. you know, it's like the most mainstream I could get. I'm like, like I don't know, like Lamb of God maybe, and they're like, what? Right. Like, and then I start pushing real hard. I'm like Slipknot, and they're like, I don't know. It's like oh, if you don't know who Slipknot is, we're doomed, right? You know. So, and like, so it's always like, is it like Metallica? Sometimes, so, like, yeah. is it like Pantera? I'm like, no, nobody's like Pantera. There's yeah. only one Pantera. <laughs> Well,
1: there are people trying to, but but, but, uh, not quite hitting the mark. Yeah. Um, But yeah, why sound like anyone else? But you just, you kind of do have to dumb it down for some people. Um, The last album, our second album, we just uh, finished. We're actually negotiating a contract now, and that's going to be our next news. Um, So that should be released end of year, like end of November, early December. We're really excited about it because. the four of us cohesively wrote everything on it. So, right, like, uh, JD, our drummer, and Nick. JD, like, has played on all of the songs on the first record, but he wasn't a part of all the writing. Yeah. And Nick came in and performed on, we did, like, we re-released the original one with a cover on it, so he played on that. Okay. And, like, but, like, this was this is now us. Mm-hmm. This is who we are, and it's heavy, and it's good, and we're really, awesome. we're really happy with it. So, uh, it's just like we can't wait for it to come yeah, out. That was
0: honestly exactly what happened with Grey Walker with the first album that we put out in 2015. Uh the guitar players and the drum like they kind of had a large chunk of it already written. And then like me and the bass player kind of came in last minute and tweaked some things around. But you know, like a large most of the skeleton of all of the album was already there, mm-hmm. but you know now with the album we put out in July, that was actually like oh, like the five of us all together from start to finish, all yeah critiquing special. all of the songs.
1: It's special because by by the time our first record came out, not everybody was with us still, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah. So this is this is our first like, yeah, this is us and step aside.
0: <laughs> Super fun. So with being, you know in a band getting ready to release an album are you excited about all of the marketing and social media and branding and you know being a band in 2018 or you know be closer to 19 whenever the album comes out you
1: mean being exhausted Uh yes
0: i love it i live for it (laughs) fortunately for somebody like you you have a lot of you kind of adapted things that will help you in this moving forward like graphic design and web things and stuff like that. Yeah, so I do a lot even of a for it. I do
1: a lot of our grunt work and yeah. um, the guys are happy with it, so I'll keep doing it. It saves us money. I'm sure that makes them like it a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> they like our logo or our layout design a little bit more or, you know, whatever stuff I write about us for a PR. I do have PR help now. Um, we use uh, riff, uh I'm sorry, Metal Media. Uh, a friend of mine is located in New York and she's now helping and she's wonderful and That's making awesome. my
0: life a lot easier. That's one thing that I've been really interested in pursuing is like a like a PR management sort of like help us out. Like what are we doing wrong? Right. Because there's only so much you could do yourself. Is I'll be a control freak till I die, but I'm smart enough to realize that like. The more stuff I try to do, the less time I'm spending on each of those things.
1: Right. There's that. I mean, there's only so much time in a yeah. day. But at, from a PR perspective, um, it's kind of like, do you ever try to write your own resume and suck at it and you know you're better than what you just wrote? Yeah. It's nice to have somebody else write it for you uh-huh. from an outside perspective and uh, you don't get bogged down into what you thought last year of yourself or anything like that because it's fresh ears, fresh eyes, someone being way more um, observing what's going on now and just that type of thing. Object- objective, like more objective than you would be for yourself.
0: And I think it helps too if you're working with somebody who has their eyes on, we'll say like the scene as a whole and what other bands are doing and what's right. trending and what you know, what's working in terms of business. right. But whenever I'm in my creative bubble, I'm not paying a whole lot of attention to what other people are doing. I'm just thinking about what I'm doing. And, you know, being an artist, you think your baby's the most beautiful baby, but sometimes it's not always the most beautiful baby. Right. And You need somebody to be like, hey, you know what? Like, baby's kind of ugly. We got to, <laughs> we got to get a, you know, we got to change the shirt on it, clean it up, you know, it has, right. has doo-doo on its arm. Let's wipe it off.
1: Right. Yeah. That's... uh we've we've only been working with like having pr for a little while uh, yeah. like actually somebody pushing our stuff out and it's just it's been a lot easier on me and i definitely recommend if you can find someone who's good i'm starting to look around i want to find somebody that i would like, recommend that for, I uh, find for you or any band that, that takes
0: themselves seriously totally totally i'm looking into it it's just a matter of finding somebody that actually is interested in what we're doing Mm-hmm. but can still like critique. I don't want somebody that just thinks what everything that we're doing is awesome. It's like, no, there ha- there's something, r- we're doing something wrong.
1: You do have to do you your get, research you get, yeah. and make sure you get somebody that's,
0: and know. somebody I can get along with too. Like, right. right. Deal and someone that's going to work with your budget.
1: I mean, yeah. the problem with, um, people on our level of zero fame, um, is that we don't have money. Uh, everything that we do comes out of our own pockets. And maybe sometimes we make a little on merch, but we already put the money into the merch. We don't have money. So um, for someone to work on, like say, hey, I know you're not making money, and they just have that little bit of passion to put their work into it, too. Um, yes, they need paid, but yes, they have to understand that you're not going to pay them like Metallica would pay their PR.
0: Sure. And, you know, it's one of those things, too, where it's the, a teamwork makes the dream work moment, where if you're able to help push us and get us some opportunities that are going to get us a little bit more. Capital, then we're going to have some more money for you to keep pushing to get bigger opportunities for us, and it's like a very circle of life sort of thing, right. right? Right. I feel like that's how it would make sense in my brain.
1: Yeah, and there are things that you can do for like in our underground world where you know that person's doing what they're doing because they love it. You're doing what you're doing. I'm not going to say I didn't do any graphic design for the person to get a little bit of a discount, you know, that type of thing. Like, yeah, you can you can scratch each other's backs in ways too, and and make it work for you, you know, but you have to be willing to put in some work. And so, like, if if your band, uh, and this is for anybody who's listening, if your band is willing to put in work and you want to go somewhere doing stuff like PR, and you, you should do as much as you can on your own initially, but when you want to grow, you know, reach out and try to, try to be more professional, and people will take you more seriously, and you'll do better.
0: Yeah, I hate the fact now that we're you know sending like epks out to people and things like that that it's just coming from me you know i try to do a personal twist and you know write a good letter like hey you know i play in this band we, you know these are things but it's co- still coming from me right it's coming from the band it's not coming from like somebody fancy my our fancy pr person right can, like,
1: and it's not just fancy it's kind of Hey, somebody else cares to be yeah. pushing this out for you. Mm-hmm. Whether you're paying them or not, they're not going to do it. If it's going to, you know, deteriorate what their business looks like. They're not going to put out something. They're not going to work with bands. Well, the good ones won't work with bands that they don't actually enjoy the music because they want to write and represent what they like to. Yeah. So, so you have that on your side. Hey, this band's not total shit. Mm-hmm. Check them out. Versus, yeah. hey, look at my band, you know, please pick me. We're really good, I promise. How many times have you sent something to someone? Do you think that they actually even read it or well, listened to it? And I always. It's
0: it's a tough world out totally, there. <laughs> totally, totally, because they're getting so many emails a day. Probably, and mm-hmm. what's so special about me? I get emails all the time because of the podcast from bands coming through on tour that are asking for show coverage. They just don't get that that's what I do. Right. I don't know how these people got my information or the like, hey, check out this album for review. And it's like, oh, that's not what I do. But apparently, my name's on a list or two somewhere. Right. So I'm getting these emails all the time. And I'm
1: just, yeah, it's you know, not I, fun.
0: I, I look, I'm just like,
1: it's not fun. I don't fun. Have time it's, for this right now. It's exhausting. Yeah.
0: So I can't even imagine what it's like for somebody that actually advertises themselves as a uh an album reviewer or a late you know right what they're getting
1: right i get a ton of stuff and it's just it's disheartening how many people don't even look into who you are before they're trying to get you to put their stuff out i have um hip-hop artists
0: oh that happens all the time reaching
1: out to me yeah. and they're like Hey, we heard all about this and we know that like we're a good fit. And I'm just like, did you read the like anything about the label? Yeah. And I'm not saying your hip hop's not good, but I'm not putting it out. I'm not gonna listen to it. I'm actually angry at your email. Yeah. <laughs> for you not taking
0: the time. I I mean I work at get Hip Records and I manage a lot of the email accounts there. So constantly we get a lot of like hip-hop just artists people
1: not researching before they submit yeah totally and that's not cool well
0: I really think cool it's you know it's funny they have the initiative they understand that like okay i'm just gonna go i'm gonna send you know 200 emails out but instead of doing the research you know whatever i'll just spam it out
1: that's what it becomes then, it becomes spam and
0: then, and then hopefully somebody gets back and then you me. just
1: spammed your project that's not yeah
0: cool. <laughs> like how much do you really care about it right yeah you know with us You know, we had like a very short list of people that we sent the album to before we put it out. Like, you know, these are people like this album's done like months before we released the album. You know, we had the whole album done, three music videos shot, like all this stuff ready to go, like in a kit that we sent to people. And like, we're like, hey, like, here's this thing with a bow tied on it. And like, we almost signed one deal that we decided not to. Ultimately, we decided that we were better off on our own.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Moving forward, I hope that we can do something with somebody else. I would love to be able to work with somebody on something and have them take care of some of that stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, not in a lazy way, just in like a partnership way. Right. But uh, the point I'm getting at is we we had a very short list that we had sent the stuff too we were never like let's just email fucking everybody right. and see what happens it didn't i never I never even came across my mind once it's just like right. these are like oh like what bands do we like what are bands that we sound like what are those labels that's, and that's
1: what you're supposed to yeah. do and then you know maybe reach up a little bit sometimes to like pick a, who you would like to be like <laughs> sure you know go go for like maybe a relapse or like a hot you know yeah. uh Cause in, like in Doom, a lot of the labels uh, are real small, real tiny, kind of like Black Seed. Maybe a little bit bigger than Black Seed, but um, it's just very like they have five releases a year. And how many bands are trying to release right now? It's just so much. Yeah. So like you know, you don't want to inundate them. You know they're going to already have you in mind or not. Almost they either heard you or they didn't. You know, you're not gonna blow them away and then they're gonna be like, we're gonna move stuff around this year for you. Yeah. So it's 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 more limited in that way. But um but I feel like who did we reach out? There was like some some larger record labels we shot for like prosthetic records or something. Mm-hmm. Are they gonna pick us up this year? No, but maybe next year. You never never know. But you that a little bit. Totally. Maybe they'll listen to it and then they hear the next the idea- one and they're like, eh. well,
0: that's the idea, you know, for yeah. me it was like, hey, like not asking you guys to put this out like we're, we're releasing this in a few months just want to let you know like hey we did this on our own this is what we're capable of by ourselves imagine if we teamed up
1: well that's what we when we did um our debut i released it on black seed and i had mixed feelings about that because i was just like well we're gonna self-release we might as well do it under black seed and of course i feel strongly about it the record it's my band um but I also didn't want it to seem like, oh, she's doing some vanity stuff there, or, you know. Yeah, that was... A- anything like that. But we just did it with the full expectancy of maybe someone will pick it up. And then we ended up signing that record for a re-release with Hellmistress Records. And it just came out on vinyl and CD. We only had CD at the beginning. Congrats. So it did work out, you know, to yeah. to show that, hey, we're going to put this into it. And hopefully somebody else cares too, you
0: know. Mm-hmm. Just... We're just chugging along. Right. We keep sending the stuff out and playing shows and right. being nice and headbanging. And maybe it'll work out. We're having fun either way.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to be fun, <laughs> but you have to put a lot of work into yeah. it. Yeah. If you don't want to put the work into it, you're not going to go anywhere.
0: No. no. Yeah. No, it's every day. Every day grinding, yep. emailing and Willing talking and to dealing. people. and wheeling and <laughs> not, well, I wish I was wheeling and dealing. I'm just trying to get to the wheel and deal. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, you know,
1: you're you always have to, you know, Go to stuff like ecosystems, even if they seem like a drag. or you know, Go out to shows and just talk to people.
0: I think that it's so important to actually be in the community. Not just go to shows, sit by your merch table, hang out at the bar with your couple friends that came to the show. Actually, go to, go to shows you're not playing. Go to events right. that have nothing to do with you. Right. Talk to strangers, meet people. You never know who you're going to meet.
1: Right, and most oftentimes, that's all enjoyable. It's all good stuff. Sometimes you get a little tired. I mean, I go to so many shows that I'm just like, what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, uh, it's just, but at the same time, I'm enjoying my life. I'm I'm experiencing art and culture and other people and the good things that other people have to give uh, because, you know, as a doomstress, I'm not very fond of most most of the popular things that are going on in the world right now. (laughs) So, so what I value from people is their creativity Mm -hmm. and I happen to value it on the darker side. So, you know, um, metal, hard rock that, you know, stoner grunginess, like that's where, that's where I fit. And that's what makes me feel like I can deal with the rest of the world on a regular basis. So it becomes a real community And being a part of it and not just being a band member in a band that goes to a show every once in a while. Or like you said, just your own shows. Or just the big shows. Yeah. Uh, You know, just like whenever Metallica comes into town or something. I actually usually don't go to the bigger shows. You know, I'd rather go to 10 smaller shows because that's about how much it costs.
0: I'm the same way. Um, I always feel the bigger shows are so... There's this disconnect for me at a certain point where I don't feel like I'm even at a concert. I feel like I'm I don't I don't know how to explain it. Like I somehow I feel like I'm watching the most HD television possible. It becomes like very right corporate. There, if, but there's if, a
1: high level of corporate there because then there's money behind it. Then there's everywhere you turn you're seeing a Pepsi sign or oh yeah, whatever, you know, like it's it's just I'm proud of a lot of the bands that got so big and are doing so well. And I will go out to see the ones that I know are going to blow me away. But I probably would never spend
0: another dime on Metallica or. Well, it's, you know, know, Metallica is they're playing at console in October, right? We just saw we went to the Radiohead show and I had never seen Radiohead live. I'm not a gigantic Radiohead fan, but I like Radiohead enough. I like, you know, I've grew up, I grew up with that band. You know, they were Mm -hmm. part of the pop culture and alternative rock. Like I should see them once they're playing 10 minutes from my house. Let's go. So went to the show and our seats weren't very good, which was one thing. And then, you know, this is like, I'm in this huge thing. Radiohead's music. It's kind of quiet. Like it's, this should be a very intimate experience but i'm sitting in a stadium with however many thousands of people all i could smell is like nacho cheese and french fries <laughs> and it's it's like i'm sitting down in this seat and like i have fries i'm just like <laughs> what what is this right. it just didn't feel like right
1: right it's it's more of like a, you're observing an event than being a part of it uh-huh. at, like at, if you would be on a floor oh yeah i'm sure it was at a, a much venue, different you know?
0: experience for anybody that was on the floor Right, I feel that that was the first time I'd ever been in console energy center. And if I ever find myself there again for a concert, I will, it will need to be somebody good enough that I would actually splurge for the floor seats. Cause I feel like that's the only way to see a band in a venue like that is to at least still just like get up in the shit instead of being sitting down on the, in the bleachers or whatever. Yeah. It's, it's just, a little it's weird too disconnected.
1: And at that point you really are watching it on the screen. I mean, yeah, you have the music there or whatever, but with all the people, like you said, all the people, it's just distracting.
0: Yeah, it's too weird, too weird. So, shows. We got one more big topic that we need to dive into before we pull the plug on this episode. There's a big show coming up, or big shows.
1: Are you talking about the Descendants of Krom?
0: You're darn too. By chance? Yes.
1: 2018 version?
0: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Let's dig into that.
1: Super excited about that.
0: Um now this is a this year it is a multi-day music festival, correct? Yes. 2 days with two, a pre-show?
1: Yeah, 2.5. Okay, days. 2 and a, yeah, yeah.
0: 2.5 days. And that is happening what? Like late September? The or, end of
1: September. Yeah. Um I just say the last weekend of September okay. just so it's easier for people to remember, but it's uh, the pre-gala will be at Howlers um in Bloomfield. It's uh thursday september 27th and uh we have five bands playing that night um and then the saturday or friday and saturday will be at cativo down in lawrenceville and that will be from 4 p.m to the end of the night um we have both stages going no one's playing at the same time it's a lot Both
0: stages both days
1: Mm -hmm. Woo! there's gonna from the pre-gala to the end of saturday night i have 37 bands playing so uh, it's a lot of work uh, for the attendants. You will get a lot of exercise because <laughs> uh, the stages are upstairs and downstairs. So it's upstairs, downstairs, upstairs, downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it worked out perfectly last year. We had it one day last year um, on a Saturday at Cativo, and it worked out perfectly. So hoping it works out perfectly again.
0: Yeah, I think it'll probably be pretty good. Are you like the sole promoter of this festival in terms of like managing all of the bands that are to, playing and everything?
1: Yes. Yes. I do everything. Um, reaching out to the bands, booking You don't them. have a
0: little, it's little com- team of people. It's p- completely
1: curated <laughs> by myself. Every once in a while I have someone mention like, hey, why don't you try this person? I'm like, oh, that's a good idea. Usually it's, hey, why don't you try this person? I'm like, no. Um, so the fun part about this is it's like more like a shy fest because I absolutely have to approve of every band that's playing. I have to really like them or totally love them. Um, so for me, it's, it's heaven. Yeah. Uh, once we get to the day and that everything's running smoothly, it'll be heaven for me. Uh, last year, um, I said this to a lot of people and, um, I completely meant it it was the best day of my life. At the end, I cried because it was just so beautiful to have all of those great bands that I love.
0: Yeah, and all those people in the same room.
1: Right. But the idea of uh, Descendants of Crom came to me years ago. Um, it didn't have that name or anything, but the idea was, why, don't, why isn't there a Pittsburgh Music Festival including a lot of the locals and a lot of the regionals at an underground level? And... um. For a while, it was just like, why isn't there? And then once I started doing booking and everything, I thought, it's up to you. Do it. Yeah. You want it, do it. And uh, you expect somebody else to do all the work, well, just do it yourself. So that's what I did. Um, I did have a couple hands-on for stage managers uh, last year, and um, a couple people to help me with merch and the door and whatnot. Um, A couple people helping me, like Flyer. But all of the controls are kind of like what you're saying about yourself. That's behind me. Um, and I probably will keep it that way, but I'm starting to entrust more people to help me. So this year we have more help hands-on. Um, I have someone yeah. helping, like, meet people at the door, the bands at the door, and showing them where to go and yeah, stuff like that. That's crucial. Yeah. So it's, it's growing, and a lot of people want to be a part of it. So the hardworking people that want to be a part of it, I of course want them to be a part of it. Because the whole idea about this was to have more community in Pittsburgh. So it's working.
0: Totally. Well, one last thing that I want to end the conversation on is and we had talked about this briefly at the ecosystem meeting. But, you know, we were talking about this festival and, you know, bringing community together and things like that. And I think that I had brought up to you, like, the segregation in the local metal scene. Yes. And that's been a thing that we've been trying to really like break down those barriers and trying to play with as many different bands as we can and not even necessarily just playing with them, like going out to shows and just meeting people Mm -hmm. from these different little pockets of the metal scenes. It's like, hey, you know. If we were in high school, we probably all would have sat at the same lunch table. <laughs> right. So I don't know why it's like a it's, thing now that we have like this weird animosity. Like we don't have it, but I can feel it around some people.
1: No, it's definitely out there. And you'd be surprised that... No, you're not going to love everything that's out there. You'd be surprised how many people are doing some really cool and good stuff. Um And... There are some bands that come and go right quick, but there are bands that like stand the test of time and it's because people keep going to see them and whatnot, but it's always that same group. I feel like if we do a better job at expanding and just supporting everybody that we'll all do better ourselves. It's just an investment Um, and it's a, a creative investment and it just helps you gauge better what you're doing, right? What you're doing wrong um, just getting ideas and just meeting people that you never knew that were there. So
0: totally. So wrapping this whole thing up here, Do you have any social media things that you would like to tell people to check out? You have the black seed records slash promotions or productions. Yeah. I don't know what you're going right to, what's going to, what's going to be right the now, name? We'll
1: just stick with um, black seed, I guess. Uh, if I was plugging anything, it would be check out my band Whorehound. Uh, We are playing, I don't know when this is airing.
0: It'll be in like a week or two.
1: Okay, we'll be past that. We will be playing at, (laughs) (laughs) we'll be playing at Descendants of Crom this year uh, on a Friday, but you should really just come for the whole time. Um, But we are around, check us out. Um, We'd love to hear from you. We'd love if you like what we're doing to come up and talk to us. Um, check out Blackseed Records if you're into, like, the heavier, sludgier, sometimes stonier, sometimes doomier stuff. Check that out. Um, I have a lot of Pittsburgh and not far, like, regional um, artists on that that I bring in. And if you could go to Blackseed Records Facebook and just check out the events there, I've always got some cool people coming in out of town. Always great bands at least by my taste Uh, the shy approved Um, I feel like it's really growing and people are catching on to it and it makes me want to do it more so um, those are things that are going on with me uh, personally descendants of Crom, man yeah it's the best thing happening
0: (laughs) cool and uh, that's it we'll cut we'll call it quits there all right thank you cool and that's all folks (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation one more time. Shy, thank you for coming by and chatting. It was a good talk. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm glad, glad we had this, this talk. Me too. <laughs> Me too. I'll be back again in a week or two. Who knows? With another episode. Same time. Same place. Same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the Beat 2018. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening. And we are done. Hooray.